Hello there. My name is Mark, aka The Canardian, and this is episode 34 of the Holocron Chronicles. I'm joined, as always, by my trusty co-pilot, Charlie Carden. Charlie, how are you doing tonight? Pew, pew, pew! Oh, wait, no, I'm sorry. Black, black, black has got to be a little bit more of a lightsaber thing, because it's <laughs> Obi-Wan Kenobi week! Or Woo-hoo. just, excuse me, just Kenobi. Let's just, just they're, 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 they're keeping it simple. They're keeping it Kenobi. simple. Kenobi! Yes. And we, so this week we're we're joined by someone. If you've only listened to Holocron Chronicles and no other Secret Friends show, you're still familiar with our guest because this is Charlie's Secret Friends Unite co-star, my co-op mo- mode co-star, Mister Todd Oxtra. Todd, thank you for joining us for this very special episode. Hey, I don't know if this is a trap. Um, is this an intervention? I'm not I mean, 100% sure, but I'm here. I just wonder how it's going to go with, uh, it's kind of like matter and antimatter. We've got Mr. Anti-Star Wars here as our third chair. So I'm just, I'm curious what's going to happen. I'm very curious. We have nonstop heard since the start of the show that Todd is anti-Star Wars. So we're going to get to the bottom of that <laughs> in a little bit. But first, I want to remind people that they can... Uh, visit leveluplightsabers.com. There's an affiliate link in the show notes and through all my social channels. Get yourself a lightsaber and uh, kick back to the show a little bit. And also, if you're listening, please rate and subscribe. Join our Discord. Leave a review if you're rating the show. It really, really helps us out and uh, helps us get seen and heard by more people. And also subscribe to us on YouTube. See our shining, smiling faces and uh, help us get to 100 subs because it would be awesome to hit that over on Secret Friends Unite on YouTube. But with all that out of the way, Todd, we always introduce our guests with a little bit of Star Wars introduction story. So how did you first get into Star Wars? Wow, Mark. Um, I'm a year older than Charlie is. He constantly reminds me of that so fact. Old. Yes. Charlie's um, usually the old man on the show. So this I is- know. I know. I, this is I, this is I still have my original hair. Mostly. So, yes, I am old school Star Wars. I my first Star Wars film I saw was Empire Strikes Back because I was way too young to see A New Hope in theater. I would have been two years old. If I saw it, I wouldn't have remembered because I just have been a little baby baby. So but I saw Empire Strikes Back in theater five years old. My mind was blown. I loved it. And then I I really got into Star Wars because of the toys. Um, they were everywhere. It was the perfect time. I think that's the most toys I own of Star Wars is from Empire Strikes Back, uh, that era. And um, I actually am packing right now, but if I would have uh, known better, I would have shown you that I still own my original uh, Darth Vader TIE fighter with the wings that fall off. Mm -hmm. Um, My friend just fixed it, has the little uh, noise uh, for shooting. Oh, yeah. That still works. Um, Yeah, and I've got a few original figures. And actually, I do have... My Darth Vader case, which I'm going to grab down. Hold on a second. You That's to, awesome. You, you have to turn off your wonky weird screen, but you know he's he's so proud which of it. Might not be able to see. Yeah. Oh yeah, we can see it. Wow, that's awesome. Oh, I had both that one and the C3PO one. They one or both of them survived being run over by the Subaru in our driveway in the house I grew up in in Gross Point, Michigan. Um, wow. very, very durable. Very uh, durable. And right now, I will bring out the little medical droid. 
You want that? Oh, I've got a few left. Be, I, you pulled that out because it's so fuzzy. I thought that was E.T. for some reason. So I'm like, what is he doing in there? I don't get it. Oh, we're not talking about E.T. Wasn't he in, wasn't he in episode one? Yes. Yes. They were in the Senate, the little pot of E.T.'s. See? Mm-hmm. I know my stuff. No. Um, but yeah, that was really for me. And then obviously moving to Return of the Jedi and then obviously seeing typically I saw Star Wars um, at my one friend, one of my best friends house, uh, Wayne Wilcox, his dad bootlegged the VHS copies of I don't know how he got them. I think I had, I I had those two. Our copy of Empire, the first like 14 minutes were missing. Um, it started, Mark, I've mentioned this before. It started where Vader says, that's it. That's the system. That's where the movie starts. Cause the rest of it was just like scrambled showtime pornography. It was like, and then the movie comes into focus. Well, well, mine didn't have adult entertainment in it, Charlie, but well, I, I mean, um, I don't, I don't, I don't know what was scrambled, but I was, just, I guess my young imagination was just making it up. I don't Probably. know. Probably. Yeah. After dark. Yeah, exactly. Um, but my, my friend's dad was a teacher, but somehow he got like the educational discount on like AV equipment. So he had one of those really old school projectors, like the, the big, like it was as big as a, a coffee table and you could put drinks on it if you want. And then he had a screen. So we were watching it on a projector. So it was, it was this 80 inch screen back in the day, but watching the movies. And I would always go back to say, I want to watch Empire Strikes Back because it had such cool, you know, just entry points, uh, different visuals um a different feel and i just really loved seeing that of course and i would want to watch the rest of them but i mean really that's how i continued to see star wars i would go visit my buddy wayne and we'd watch star wars and it was just always fun to just watch it and watch it and watch it um yeah so that's how i really got into star wars and then obviously charlie and i lived through the drought the great drought um, of hoping for any content, watching the Ewoks and droids cartoons, those bad Ewok movies. Um, I then remember going to go to Star Tours in high or in high school down in Florida. So I, I really enjoyed it, and then obviously met Charlie in college. We 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 and, and our buddy John we reengaged on Star Wars again when the Power of the Force figures came out. We would go right. to Target and search for them, um, right. and, and then we would look for any internet. This is the beginning of the days of the internet, too, Mark. We would look for any details on something coming up. And then something very special happened around that time. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. Shadows of the Empire, Mark. This was a yes. Star Summer Wars of explosion. Oh, yes. A, a Star we, Wars explosion. We absolutely need to have a, a Shadows of the Empire episode, Mark. Because, Mark, you've not really delved, have you? Is that a blind spot for you, or am I misremembering? I played the game. I never did okay. like anything else. Well, uh, I read so. the book, Mark. It's the only Star Wars book I ever read. I, I I still have it and tried to go th- like I got a like a Kindle copy maybe like five years ago. Did didn't make it a quarter of the way through. It was just like just it and, was and, the biggest. It was, it, it was, was the biggest every, Star was, Wars event. It was everything but a film. It was yes. so, yeah. soundtrack, comic, video game, um, toys. figures. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, toys, just both play sets and figures. It was just, it was crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So that's kind of where, and then Charlie and I saw special editions together uh, right. in Grand Rapids. And then, uh, you know, my story goes to kind of when Star Wars got a little funky. I loved. The Clone Wars cartoon, but I remember going to see Wing Commander, Mark. We talked about this. Mm-hmm. I saw Wing Commander just so I could see a trailer, the first trailer for episode one. 
right? Internet trailers were nothing on the internet back then because you right. didn't have the broadband and there was no YouTube. So that's how you saw it. I saw it and I'm like, wow, I'm so excited for this movie. It's weird. It's interesting. I'm, I'm still excited, but I had to go through Wing Commander. And then when I saw episode one, well, that's a different story. So such a different story. We, we won't get into your, your thoughts on the prequels, but I do want to ask your favorite movie. Is it still empire or have you seen another one that has topped that? Turn of the Jedi. That is my absolutely favorite uh, movie. I, I loved it. It was the right age. I was, you know, I guess sort of eight at the time. Um, and it, to me, it was the culmination of everything I was so excited about Luke finally emerging as a Jedi all of these different characters, a big battle, you know, everything that Empire rolled up to, it delivered to, in my little kid's mind. I wasn't harsh on the Ewoks. I thought they were cool. I was eight years old. It was a perfect age to see that movie because nothing bothered me about what happened. And that's until this day. It just really, I, I love that movie. I don't care if they change the ending and change the song. I don't care. I still remember how that song goes at the end yep, with no. the Ewoks. Yub, 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 nub. Yub, yep. nub, 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 nub. It's in here. They can't take it away. Can't George take, Lucas can't, can't take that away from me. Can't take that away from me. <laughs> All right. Uh, if, actually, no, first off, favorite character? Luke. And Luke specifically Luke. in his Jedi apparel as he shows up to Jabba the Hutt. Hell yeah. Black suit Luke with a green saber. That is 100% so awesome. my Star Wars. Always bet on black. Yep. Uh, so now the question I was just going to ask before I remembered, I wanted to ask your favorite character. If you had force sensitive powers and abilities, would you lean light side or dark side? Do you know yourself well enough? Charlie could answer? probably pave this off because he always talks about my cold, dead heart, but the dark side, definitely. Yes. He is Chili, the elf who cannot love. That's from The Simpsons. I've right. almost always loved um, the designs of the bad guys transformers um any and like gi joe i mean those those bad guys are so awesome and just so unique versus mm -hmm. the good guys are pretty much it's a guy in a jacket it's a guy <laughs> then maybe get a chewbacca eventually you know but i just love those with the, yeah. with the boots and the big belt that all right. all star wars hero outfits are boots belt jacket tell me right. one that doesn't have that combo and really, when you think about it, Chewbacca is just wearing like a belt and he's right. not even wearing it as like he's just kind of wearing it over. Like he's just a big hairy sash. naked dude. It is. It is a sash. A sash. And, and you never really see any practice. He's got like the little clippies or whatever on him, but you never see him like, oh, these are ammo. I got to put them in my face. Right. Yeah. They are completely superfluous. It is a it is just, a it, it is nipples on a ball. It's nothing. Free, free balling around the galaxy. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not super often that we hear someone just instantly except that they are dark side. A lot of times on the show we have like, Oh, I kind of like the dark side, but I think I'd go gray or I don't want to lean. I love that. You just dive straight in. You're just Todd's like, like, badass, Todd's like he's, go. he's Billy Eilish. He's the bad yeah. guy. Duh. Duh. Which Todd, Todd hates. Duh. Don't say that. <laughs> oh, oh yeah. Sorry. Uh, because we do co-op mode together, a video game podcast for anyone that hasn't listened to that, go check us out. Uh, but Todd, I have to ask, what's your favorite Star Wars video game? Wow. This one's kind of crazy because I played some bad Star Wars games and I played some great ones. And one of mine that I just love to pieces is Force Unleashed. Oh yeah. Sam Whitwer, right? Wasn't he the main character? Abs yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 
not canon, doing its own thing, created a character that I absolutely love to pieces, explored Jedi powers like we've never seen before in a video game, quite honestly, and just really, really well done. And I just love that to pieces. So I, I just, I just thought that's a culmination of video games being really great. And they use some unique abilities, uh, some of the technology where things falling apart. Yeah, just a great game, really cool view, different side of Darth Vader, a unique story. And I like when Star Wars does that. Be great to see remakes of that. Um, Someday. did they, did they uh, yeah, uh, well, no, we are getting it. What aren't we, Mark? Oh, is that okay? Oh, we're getting the Wii version though. The, oh, yeah, that's not that doesn't count. On switch, no, that, no, that doesn't count. That's I'm, I'm talking a full, a real next gen remake that looks good and plays oh, well yeah. and is is better than the Wii version on Switch. Throw the, uh, throw which the, throw which the I blocked out of my mind until you just reminded remind me there. <laughs> um, now, we already mentioned this, but Todd, I want to I want to tackle this directly. Charlie pretty much constantly say says that constantly. that Todd hates Star Wars. If you're mentioned on the show, it's usually that you hate Star Wars or you love to hate Star Wars. Let's get to the bottom of this. How do you feel about Star Wars? Do you really love to hate it? Do you hate it? Is it love just love an ongoing it. joke? What's what's the feeling? It, with, it's with funny because Star everyone has their Star Wars. And I've always said that. It's 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 dependent on when you grew up, what you watch. Like I said, Empire was my first one, but Return of the Jedi was my favorite um, because I was the right age where it was just hitting those right moments for me. I anticipated the movie. I wanted to see it build up the hype. Um it's interesting because I'm at a different age now. I'm 46 years old. I've had so many more experiences and I've experienced so much more storytelling in different mediums that um, I've really expanded my horizon, what I love about sci-fi and things like that. Um, and Star Wars, to me, in a way, is, is, is Charlie always talked about comfort food, pizza, things like that. People rewatch the same things over and over because they want to relive those experiences. And I've I've kind of moved on from that. I don't rewatch things um, because there's so much more to enjoy. And, and with star Wars, I don't get that giddy about little things and cameos as much as I used to. And so much of star Wars right now feels like it's, it's, it's delving. It's getting deeper is I guess the best way to say it. It's, mm. it's really building in to a lot of these things, connecting and doing things with characters that predominantly have been developed in the last, whenever clone Wars started, I would say, is that's been a huge 2008 yeah. yeah clone wars and rebels i feel like since that era we've dug so deep into that era that that is kind of the overwhelming sense of that star wars right now and that's just not my interest i like some of it i like i like cad bane i thought it was such a cool character i liked what they did with some of the characters expanding them telling more stories that's the first time we ever got with story is star wars telling more in-depth stories actually giving characterization building on relationships very cool um, you know, we got Ahsoka, we get some really cool characters, other parts. I didn't care too much about it. Um, um, so in a lot of ways, I, I, I still love star Wars for what it means to me in a certain way, but I don't love all things star Wars. I've always said, I feel like there's more bad star Wars than there's good star Wars just because there's more of it now. And right. I don't have yeah. to be precious about star Wars because ultimately it's not all going to be good. It's going to be, some of it's going to be directed poorly. Some of it's going to be not great scripts. Sometimes it's not going to be in a medium I care that much about, but I'm always hopeful. And that's what I was talking about. We were just talking about SFU about this. I'm hopeful for where Star Wars goes 
that's not tied to what we've known. What can do this different, different eras, different threats, uh, things that are not tied to an empire versus rebels. I would love it. That's not the scrappy rebels versus a, an imposing force. I would love to see the world of Star Wars experiment and do new things. And I'm hoping that's going to come forward. And that's why I want new creators. I don't want just Filoni be in charge because I want new voices, more ideas, more, uh, more things that we haven't experienced before. So I'm really excited about the Acolyte because that's an era we haven't experienced. We're not going to be fully focused on who you know or what you know. It's going to be more about mm -hmm. this is ideas and things that have been hinted about. And they could really tell some unique stories that even though the characters are probably dead, we could have some things to carry through there that take something and puts us beyond the known, which I really love. And, I, and I'm, I'm excited to see where Star Wars goes next. Right now, we don't know what's really next with Star Wars because I think they're still focusing. Movies really are where the story goes forward rather than the TV series, I guess. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I feel like maybe that's where they're headed or maybe that's where they're going to stay. But I would love a TV right. series that takes us post the sequel trilogy because that would be fantastic and build on with those characters yeah because yeah. yeah right now the the tv shows you're you're right on like the tv shows happen before the rise of skywalker everything happens even before the the prequel or the sequel era mm -hmm. is, is what we're getting so it would really be nice i can't wait for the next project that whether that's the patty jenkins uh rogue squadron or it's some other project tv whatever it is but yeah there's something feige what's what's the other one that's uh, uh there's another one uh Teiko atiti is doing a project i mean yeah. bring those on bring them on right right yeah there's a few All different right. things um so okay well, i get that i think you know, we, we have, obviously, it's a Star Wars show. We have a lot of people who just love Star Wars. I'm one of those people who, I I say I love all of Star Wars, but I think I also gravitate towards the things that I love. And you, you mentioned something there that, that struck me was uh, a medium that you don't love. And Charlie and I tried to keep up with High Republic stuff. We tried to do the, the comics and the novels and, mm -hmm. and young adult novels and everything else. And, and there, there are stuff that just either didn't click with me or was too much to keep up with or, or whatever it was. And I don't know if that was medium or the stories they were telling or whatever, cause I am interested in that era, but yeah, there, there, there is stuff that just hasn't clicked and, and we haven't chosen to focus on that. But I, I suppose there are probably people out there that, that would listen and be like, what do you mean you haven't kept up with the High Republic novels? Like, you're not a true Star Wars fan. Like, I'm sure there are people who say that about me. So uh, every time Charlie says that about you now, I'll just remember that there's probably someone out there saying that about us too. And it, well, it is interesting you mentioned that, Mark, because... Because there's a character that people talk about all the time now that has not been in any other meetings except for comics, and that's Afra. And yeah, Dr. Afra yeah. sounds like a really cool character that I know nothing about. I've read the comics, and I'm like, I'd be perfectly fine if that character shows up and just does something unique and different because it's a new character that has a different take. And, you know, and I, like I said, Mark, there's so much out there. I'd rather watch the best than all. So mm -hmm. if someone has examples, like you said, there's probably lists of best Clone Wars, best Rebels. I'm more than willing to give it a try because I'd rather watch what's great about it versus I just have to watch everything. Life's too short to watch stuff that's okay. I'd rather have the best. So that's, by all that's means, how they get you. Yes, it's a, a, a nine-part novel series about Lando's uh, fashion choices. You know you're looking for it. The quest for the you cape, Charlie. I watched the hell out the of uh, a Lando fashion show. Oh my I'm not going to lie. Like Project One Runway Lando Edition, like – Project Cloud City Runway. Sum me up. I don't know. Uh, all right. Well, let's let's move on to something we know we're getting rather than what we might get. Right. And that is 
the Kenobi teaser trailer. Kenobi's coming up. So we're recording this one way earlier than we usually record this episode. So this is, we're recording this on Thursday, March 10th, uh, AKA Mario day. So happy Mario day to any video game uh, people. But, uh, so the Kenobi trailer just came out. So these are our fresh reactions, but by the time people are listening to this, it's going to be out. It's going to be broken down. There's going to be that frame by frame kind of thing. So this is fairly fresh in our minds, but uh, keep in mind that what we're saying that there may be new stuff. There was a new thing today. The, the first real image of Darth Vader in this show, it was a still image that was not in the trailer. We heard the breathing at the end of the trailer. So I'm sure over the next week, more stuff's going to come out. But for right now, we're just going to be going on the teaser trailer reactions breakdown. Fellas, how you feeling about uh, about what we saw? This was the sizzle reel to not end sizzle reels, but th- this was great. This was, uh, uh, you know, I mean, what we've had in television thusly uh, with Star Wars has been with the exception of Luke here and Grogu there, very, very down to earth and ground based. You know, we've had, uh, you know, the Mandalorians with their gadgets and their wacky code. And then we've had bounty hunters and we've had uh, this thing and that thing, but we've not had force wielding, you know, space wizard stuff uh, since, uh, you know, the very end of the film that we're going to be talking about here in a little while when we get into talk about Rogue One. So mm-hmm. this is, you know, and, and of course, you know, things cartoon related, notwithstanding, this is our first real glimpse at this full on culture of, you know, the, the Sith and the Inquisitors, well, it's really the Inquisitors, and then Kenobi and other aspects of things that have happened during that 19 year period, um, on, you know, on, on the little big screen since, since Solo, which didn't mm-hmm. really have anything that was you know first related except for what i always felt was kind of a kind of a lackluster why the hell did they do this appearance of darth maul at the end um but that's a topic for another time or a previous time um absolutely spectacular and again this was a minute 45 two minutes something like that um super long and they 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 you know they really they really jammed it on in there uh, mm-hmm. you're, you're right that yes, we see Kenobi doing his normal rounds. And I think we even, we even see this in the comic in a, in a flashback in the most recent Marvel comics run where, uh, Obi-Wan is looking over Luke and he was about this age. And there was an, there was an incident where, where, where Black Kersantan got his scar because he was, I can't even remember the particulars of the story, but he and Kenobi mix it up and Kenobi bonked him on the eye. That's why he's got the scar mm-hmm. happened right around this time. Cause Luke, Luke was around that same age. Um, but I just dug everything about it. Inquisitors looking for Jedi. Uh, you get you're getting very grumpy uh, uh, Joel Edgerton as slightly older, but not super old. Uh, you know, Uncle Owen. Um, yeah, God, and just the excitement of having the music come back. We got the duel of the fates, oh, and yeah. we got oh my God, we got we got it, we got it all. So yeah, this is this is prime birth of the Empire. Let's, you know, you know, you got Palpy's voice in there. The, the key to hunting Jedi is patience because they've been doing it for 10 years and obviously they're, they're still more out there. So mm-hmm. they're, they're working harder, uh, harder, may, harder, but maybe not smarter, which is how Kenobi probably ends up, um, you know, kind of surviving the day. But uh, yeah, I loved everything about it. Nothing in there that I would say was completely 
blow the doors off like, oh, I didn't really expect that. Uh, you would you would expect that it wouldn't just be Obi Wan hanging around on Tatooine for six or seven episodes. They were going to have to put put him in play in some way, shape, or form. So yeah, mm-hmm. that's uh, yeah. I was totally fired up. Totally fired up. Todd, what about you? Um, I really liked it. I mean, uh, the fact that they did bring in the Duel of Fates, that was my favorite part of the prequels, was that whole, uh, that that song plus what it delivered was fantastic. Um, it makes sense to bring it back, uh, which is cool. I mean, it's it's really neat. We are going to see different planets. The one planet, I forget what it's called, but it feels like it's like Shanghai or, or Hong Kong with the bright lights, the neon, right. and uh, the dangerous nature of the inquisitors i've always liked those characters i always felt Mm. felt it was someone to balance out the jedi because in a way the jedi can pretty much push everybody else over they can you know droids whatever so it gives them something uh formidable and unique and mysterious which again Mm. bad guys are cool they are cool um the you know I, I'm curious to see where they go. It's six episodes, right? Deborah Chow is directing this. I think she was the best director of the Mandalorian episodes, so I think she'll deliver. Um, and I am curious how they'll pace it. I've I've had struggles with a lot of recent like shows where so much happens in like the first you know three episodes where it feels like you've got a lot to deliver and you've got two episodes left. I mean, are you going to force everything? Um, I thought um, Boba Fett actually delivered. I was so worried. I'm like how are they going to wrap this crap up with one episode? And they did, which was great. So I hope mm-hmm. they, they pace it well, kind of like, you know, good storytelling elements, maybe some standalone elements versus the whole arc. We heard that there's potentially going to be Leia involved in this. We've seen Luke. Um, and my joke though, I, I mentioned this to Charlie, like I thought the Luke looking like Anakin pod racing was a little too much on the nose. Like I said, star Wars fans will love it, but I'm like, I love that you. seems very, like the littlest amount of effort is often sometimes my least favorite things. It works. That, and I it, think that might be what frustrates well, you so much is that it really, it, it, it really doesn't Charlie, work. Charlie, it doesn't work for everybody though, because Star Wars fan base is split. And that's 100% true. You guys know that. So yeah, it works for some. It, it doesn't work for others. Character, though, because we see him the first time he's introduced in A New Hope, he's still like pretending to fly. Right. The, you know, his, his, I guess uh, I didn't think of the pod racer. I thought more of the more of like flying a plane or something like right. that would have been more int- would, would have been more. Yeah, if you're fly, if you're flying a plane like this, is it's a bad scene. So yeah, but, uh, but I, I get it. it. Just to me, it was just like, oh, that's so. That's so the, dumb. Like, the, ah! Because I guess I hated, I absolutely hated Anakin in episode one. Bad acting, all these things. I'm not saying anything new. And I just thought, oh, God, you're bringing back something that I absolutely appalled. And I'm like, oh, Luke is not that. But I totally, th- trying to bring him together, he's like his father. Totally get it. Totally get it. Low-hanging fruit. Low-hanging it, it is admittedly low-hanging fruit, but those are the ABCs of Star Wars. I hate to say it. Charlie, now you're like discounting Star Wars. It's like Star Wars doesn't try and people like it. So I, I hate that. I would think that you'd say Star Wars is, is hitting elements, but it's like ah, Star Wars doesn't do anything. People just eat it up. That means that sounds like you're basically saying the franchise is bankrupt because it doesn't have it's, to do anything. Yes. Star, Star Wars is some way is the I didn't do it, boy. Do, 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 do. Mark, I'm trying to defend Star Wars. <laughs> to to me, this one didn't even at first like call back to Anakin. Like to me, it just reminded me of of Luke, even when he's older. Like I said, when we see him in New Hope, mm-hmm. he's still obsessed with being a pilot. He's right. still oh, I get that. Yeah, playing the with the, the toys. It was 100. It was 100 the goggles and doing the pod racing controls. 
Yeah, see, like that 100% didn't even like click into me until my second watch through or like after kind of watching this a bit. Like to me, it was just like, oh yeah, even from a young age, like Luke wants to be the best pilot in the galaxy. And then it was like kind of afterwards clicked in like, oh yeah, just like his dad, right? Like that's, you know, throwbacks to to Anakin as a kid. But uh, for, for me, it was fully fitting into Luke's character of like, this is the guy that we saw like pissed off over power converters and like playing with uh you know a, a speeder toy in uh in the in the basement so um to, to me that was just luke uh anyway that's uh uh yeah so we do have john williams duel of the fates returning i'm wondering if if like we, we've talked about how important that song is in that moment on this show before. And I wonder if there's going to be other moments like that, where Obi-Wan is literally dueling for the fate of the galaxy in this, whether it's someone that's going after Luke, someone that's going after Leo, what is, what is, what is the fate of the galaxy in this one? What is, why are they dueling for the fate and who's he dueling against? Is it against Vader? Is it against the inquisitors? We saw a few inquisitors in this one, a new one, uh, Riva, yeah. Uh, we have uh, Grand Inquisitor. Seen the Grand. We saw the Grand Inquisitor. We saw was it the fifth brother? I believe was the other shot that we saw. Um, I do have a couple of notes in front of me, but not all of them. So I should have had a bunch open. Uh, but we, we there's there's a few Inquisitors, and and we know that there's at least ten because we've seen the tenth brother. We've seen the the you know, straight, straight up through, through the numbers, uh, whether it's in comics or in, uh, Jedi fallen order, which is also where we saw the inquisitorious, mm-hmm. which is, uh, also featured in this for the first time in live action. I want to say that's, that's a comic. And, but I, I think that was the first time we saw it was in, in Jedi fallen order, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That sounds um, about right. So there's, I'm, I'm really wondering if we could see Cal in this. There's been a couple of things dropped. We saw the BD droid in Boba Fett. We are seeing some throwbacks to the game in this. It's yeah. around the right timeline. Yeah, he, he saw he would be in the like, game. He saw a holocron right. featuring Obi-Wan Kenobi. So right. he knows Obi-Wan's alive. He might go search him out. Like I if I see so, Cameron. Monty, so I've got a question this, about that. So, We've had other Jedi's introduced some mm-hmm. in other series now. Cal, one of them, obviously. Yeah. Then we've got Rebels and things like that. Yeah. Could this? I'm just going to ask a question. Could this be laying the the groundwork, Mark? Why we didn't see more Jedi during, you know, A New Hope and beyond? Is this going to bring groundwork that because Obi Wan put himself out there, Jedi are out there, and they could now be hunted down even worse, like the remaining. They may well, not even continue I, on, right? Maybe I think they, they said it in this sure. trailer. It's it's the Jedi they can't help themselves. You're right. Yeah, they've, they've, the Jedi they've, they've got to get out there and fly their want flag. to try yeah. to save people. They want to try to help people. And that's exactly right. what we saw. Again, throwing back to Jedi Fallen Order, uh-huh. Cal was so good for years, keeping, keeping himself underground, uh-huh. not using his powers, disconnecting himself from the force, but he couldn't help himself. He could have easily let his friend die another tragedy in the workplace. He could have let that happen. He couldn't help himself. He reached out with the force. He grabbed his friend 
and the Inquisitors came for him instantly. Do good, yeah, exactly. They were, you know, they were they were watching the Jedi social media Twitter, and they <laughs> they they felt it. Yeah. So that that's that's a, a theme in this that they said it right in the trailer, and again, it was like a two minute trailer, if that. But they they broke it down of the Jedi can't help themselves. They might hide. They may disconnect themselves. They may go to the far reaches of the galaxy, but the Jedi are going to want to do good and they can try to hide it, but eventually they're going to break and that's when we're going to get them. So I think this is going to lay the groundwork for like why the Jedi go missing. And by the time we see a new hope, why there's so few left Uh, there, there are theories that we may see Ahsoka in this. We did see some Mm -hmm. green birds. Mm -hmm. She usually has uh, her little green owl friend that we, uh, that we see, I don't know. I think that might be kind of a, I'll call it a green herring for this one. And yeah, uh, I think scrolling further down, seeing somebody who's carrying, you know, or you're seeing kids at the corner of a, you know, the DL 44 blaster, which was carried by Hansel's. Oh, that means he's going to be in it. That's, you know, that that's to me, uh, kind of a bridge too far. You know, these, these, there's always a thousand and one wacky fan theories. I mean, who wasn't going to show up? And oh, this is going to be the last episode of the Book of Boba Fett. It's going to be Kira and Han Solo and this and they just know it's okay. Uh, Leia, no, wait, yeah, yes. yeah, Le- yes. Well, Le- Leia's going to be in this one, but she'll be young because we already know that's mm-hmm. an established plot line. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, yep. Um, uh, for the record, I thought that blaster looked more like Kanan Jarrus's. Some right. people are saying it looks like Kenobi's. I want to be right because I want right. to see live action Kanan Jarrus. Yeah, he's I agree. still alive at this point in right. time, and, and and in hiding because yeah, there was a, there was a Kanan novel that had to do with he and Hera meeting when they were both you know freighter pilots or something that mm-hmm. was set probably right around this period of time. Wouldn't have been surprising. So yeah, it could be. Right. Yeah, could I, be. I mean, we're, like we said, we're we're going off a two minute kind of trailer here. Right. <clears throat> For me, the the problem with with that being Han Solo is what's he doing at this time? Like he's not that much older than Luke and Leia, is he? Who? who oh, Han, Han. Han's like 10 years old, isn't he? Yeah. Ten, yeah 10 years yeah, older. He's, he's 10 years older. Yeah. Years because, older. Yeah. Okay. In, in Solo, the, the, the first part of it we saw was maybe eight or nine years, uh, post, Revenge of the Sith, and then he added three years onto that for the remainder of the film, making it still seven or eight years before A New Hope. This okay. is pretty much timeline, yeah. So he'd be, so I guess the, the right time-ish to maybe be on a different planet and messing around with stuff at this sure. at that point. Smuggling. Like, the timeline fit in. He's, he's smuggling. He's doing some stuff. Uh, we could see... De-aged uh, Harrison Ford, or or well, got, uh, I mean, why wouldn't it be? You know that. Yeah, it all depends. But yeah, it'd be silly. Yeah, yeah, okay. it'd be silly not to be Alden Alden Eingrich. Alden. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, well, I guess we'll see. But uh, that's that's our tinfoil hat theories. Uh, are you guys excited for this one? Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, yep. I you know Obi Wan without a doubt was the most redeeming part of the the prequels for a lot of us old timers. Uh, who love classic Star Wars, even though, you know, Obi-Wan was not a huge part of even the original trilogy, but he was really, you know, Ewan McGregor's portrayal of the character is timeless. Uh, so and, he, and he, yeah, he, he, he got the, he got shit done both in the prequels and then certainly in the Clone Wars where he was fleshed out even more. So 
Uh, I've always loved him, and I'm I'm totally engaged. This is gonna be this is gonna be certainly a, a step in the right direction after the book of the Boba Fett of the Mandalorian. Not even in my show or whatever, you know. Right. Time, <laughs> you're, you're excited. I'm very encouraged because ultimately he didn't have much to work with um, when he was in the movies last time. Script wasn't great. Direction wasn't great. I mean, all of those things you can say Lucas was a great visionary, great special effects artist. He just wasn't a great director. Um, mm-hmm. Great directing action scenes, I would say. But directing people, we all know that history. <laughs> um, but faster I think with this, and more uh, intense. That was faster and more think, intense. That's what he did. But I think with the, what he's going to have to work with, directors he's older he's a better actor now i think this is going to be really a great uh showcase for him get a lot of gravitas it's going to be really cool him dealing with issues and uh you know mark you know sean Nias, our friend um you know has been on co-op mode he is he's been out of the world excited about this project in particular he loves obi-wan kenobi he feels like obi-wan kenobi is truly what star wars is about more so than anyone else um and i kind of agree with him in a lot of ways that the prequels were his kind of story in a lot of ways around the evidence or the uh, all the things happening so i i think this is going to be great um and yes i'll have to probably grin and bear some uh fan service stuff but i'm excited for it guaranteed oh absolutely yeah <laughs> but uh i, I think it's going to be some fun fan service stuff i i may be personally so excited that uh i'm thinking about ordering a kilt just to celebrate uh and mcgregor and uh my my scottishness so um, i don't remember kilts in star wars mark i'm just like blanking on that part just uh, no not not star what? wars specific just, oh, sure. McGregor yeah. just, uh, just just got me got me excited for this uh and and him and and everything else uh so there is I'm, a I'm, there's I'm, a great yeah. kilt place in Frankenmuth, Michigan, which is more over on Todd's side of the state where he's from originally, that I visited a couple of times. They have the great hats and the different stuff. Had some some geek theme stuff. I believe there was something Star Wars related there. So if I happen in there, I will if my travels take me over that way and my travels take me everywhere in the state, I will send you some pictures. Maybe it'll be something you want. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I, I know there there's a few stores around here, obviously uh uh, where I live is very Scottish and Irish. So there's a few mm-hmm. places around here that I can, I can get kilts from. So I'm, mm-hmm. I've been looking for a little bit, but I think I'm going to order one and, and, uh, just have it for lounging about the house, you know, Excellent. Uh, as you do. Uh, so gentlemen, let's get into let's the main it. meat of the show. Rogue one. As we continue our rewatch project chronologically, we just hit Something we, we've mentioned a couple of times. We we just finished off uh, Jedi Fallen Order. Mm-hmm. So the next thing chronologically in our little rewatch project is is this one right here, and uh, this this movie is one of like people's favorites. People mm-hmm. love this one. Todd, you said it was um, actually. Uh, you know what? I'm not even going to put words in your mouth. So tell people what you think about this this film. This is the best directed, best scripted Star Wars thing of all time. Um, Gary Witta wrote this. He's a great director, a great writer. Fantastic, does some awesome work. Gareth Edwards is the director, does fantastic work. Um, I, I don't think there's, it's, it's unquestionable to say someone has done better with Star Wars in regards to uh, what he showed, how we got the people uh, to really bring about different emotions and different elements. And it was just compelling to me. Um, it was the, the, a different way that I've seen star Wars handled, which to me, and it also 
essentially characters that were all brand new, very l- limited connection to anything else. And I always say this about this movie. If it did not have the the Vader sequence and the Leia sequence, it would still be a great film. Absolutely. True. True. Yeah, yeah. you're right. That was the, and to your point, Todd, the dreaded fan service uh, at the end. Um, and you know, the, the and again, the Vader part of it being, and I'm sure we're going to talk a little bit more about this, being something that was the record needle scratch that just that just brought everything to it to a halt. Uh, anybody watching that just absolutely blew their mind. I'd like to recreate it. I've memorized all his moves. Chop, chop, chop. I mean, oh my god, makes you feel like the, you're a kid. Man, all all that gory violence makes you feel like you're a kid again. <laughs> the funny thing to me was the. The first time I saw this movie, I I left the theater and I was so blown away by everything. And I talked to my cousin, I, th- I think the first person I talked to about this afterwards, because he saw it the same night. And we started texting back and forth. And I was like, so what'd you think? And he was like, oh man, that Darth Vader scene. And I was like, what what about the rest of the movie? Like that was the very end of it. Like there was so much else. Did you not right. watch the rest of it? How are you focusing on that? Like, right. Cause it, cause it was, cause, cause it's fan servicey. It, it, it was that fan service. It's like beyond, beyond the doubt. Like, and, and there's so yeah. many people that have taken that scene and I know we're kind of jumping all over the, the place in your flow here, but we're just <laughs> rapping. It's it great. We did our whole, uh, our whole podcast on uh, the Batman tonight and I took no notes. I just riffed, <laughs> which is for, for our previous ones. I always, took notes but i'm like you know i just i just no, 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 I was shooting works. from the heart and i've seen this one so many times but um yeah it was it there have been people who have made notes on that darth vader scene saying well this is what we want this is what we've always wanted out of darth vader since 1977 not just some dude in a suit lurching around mm-hmm. i mean if you think about the Death Star uh, lightsaber battle between old Obi Wan and uh, you know, and you had an old guy, and you had a you had this this bodybuilder in a suit where he couldn't move, lurching at each other, and that that kind of is a lightsaber fight. It wasn't all doing the flips and shit that you saw in the in the prequels, um, which was again the most exciting part of like Episode One was a duel of fates, and then there was the rest of it. Uh, for again for us old timers, because Mark, you and I have had a lot of people on the show. Who the prequels is their Star Wars, so they just love it. And we've had some people who are even younger who have said, "Oh, you know, the the sequels are my Star Wars," and I'm just like, "Okay," um, but yeah, but for us, uh, this film was, you know, was the spiritual cousin to the to the OT uh, in a way that that you know of the you know, and again the the Star Wars the Star Wars stories films, there was this one and there was, there was solo or the Han Solo solo movie, uh, which we've already talked about. Uh, that was, you know, didn't end up being a successful, this movie was a success and then solo came out and it was less so because of its, you know, mired controversy in the production and the fact that they reshot 80% of it and it didn't do Star Wars numbers. So the, the entire concept was abandoned, uh, of doing, you know, these, these standalone prequel films, um, which is fine. Because I think we all agree that Star Wars, if it's going to to grow and continue to capture attention, needs to move beyond the fan servicey stuff, even though that hasn't happened yet and somehow they're still making money. Which is kind of weird to actually think about that leading directly to Kenobi being a series on Disney Plus rather than a movie. Mm-hmm. 
because that well, was rumored to be a movie that was in development right. as a movie right like while they were talking about rogue one while they were talking about solo like that was kind of in the docket for for an upcoming uh right. film project and it, it's been kind of and you know and, moved and around and and, and to change. me, you know, and so was Boba Fett. Um, yeah. And to me, thankfully so. Now, now, Boba Fett is not the greatest example because we all have kind of mixed feelings about how that shook out. But for Kenobi, they're going to take and hopefully make good use of the six or seven episodes that, to give us a, you know, five and a half hour, six hour story. Mm-hmm. Um that really fleshes out something as opposed to a, you know, cool guys walk away from explosions, super bang them up movie or whatever. Um, flesh that, you know, flesh things out a little bit where this film really got it right, but it was, it was drawing from established elements. It was, it was a, it was an in-between quill, I think is how Todd and I described it because this was quill. Yeah, Midquill. Todd and I have been making, uh, you know, SFU since 2014. This came out in 2016. So this was, you know, this was one of our spoiler casts the week right. that it came out. Um, so yeah, it became a Midquill because it was an extension of an existing story, but it was an extension of the first story, and, and they did it really well and seamlessly so. Mm-hmm. Um, like I said, the the boldest choice was giving us a, a, an entire cast of new characters that everybody died, which I loved. It made it that much more real and you know made it that much more real it's really real to me damn it i know it sounds like i'm talking about wrestling um but you know it really made it that much more impactful that not everybody got a happy ending yeah the mission was accomplished which again it was a silly mission because you seem like those plans could have been probably dropped into a google drive somewhere instead of the whole thing and the whatever and the disc and but you know it was the 70s um yeah. But it really made it impactful that they accomplished their mission, but they all had to die to do it. And it's, mm-hmm. that's what war's like, I would imagine. I've never been in one, but that's what it's like in the movies. So that yeah. they got right. Yeah, for sure. Todd? It's really interesting because there's a lot of, call them Star Wars tropes, or just the things that Star Wars does and repeats in their movies, that right. is in this. Didn't drive me nuts, which is kind of nice. Um, the Which is becoming a recurring thing now. The sarcastic droid, I guess, is the best way to put it, or mm, the the sassy the sassy droid, which is it's like every movie now needs a sassy droid. It's kind of like the, the lay of the land. Um, but K two S O, just mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that droid. The take, I think Alan Tudyk being the voice really did a lot for me, so loved it. But we've seen that in obviously a lot of other ones. Um, we also then saw the being disguised and, and, and going, you know, wearing the costumes, or whatever, and going in. I think every Star Wars movie has that now, or in every episode, Star Wars show has it. But it's not an uncommon thing, but it just seems like that is the thing with Star Wars. We've got to get dressed up like the enemy, do the thing to get the thing. Um, so that seems to be a, a plot point or uh, a trope that seems to be a little overdone in Star Wars. So, but I totally get it. Um, uh, and... I was looking here through Metacritic and how they ranked the Star Wars films. It is it just kind of cracks me up. This is Metacritic has says this is the sixth best Star Wars film behind Revenge of the Sith. So I'm just and it's also behind like but you know what they rank number one? A New Hope. New Hope. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Then then episode um, eight, which is Last Jedi, and then Empire Strikes Back is number three. Wow. It just seems like very dis it just it seems disconnected from 
what we've all talked about, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if I mean some people have some of their faiths, but I thought I thought just because of some of the things they brought in here and some of the acting, um, one of the things I also wanted to nitpick um, our main character in this. Um, the I thought it was a little odd that she was essentially given the keys to the kingdom. And like basically races, well, don't listen to anybody else. Listen to her. He's brand new. She knows everything. And like, no, she doesn't. She's like the least capable to do this. But to me, that just seemed a little bit because I really like the character too. But I thought that seemed a little bit really. We're going to there at that point where she's like probably the least likely person to lead people because she has no experience. And you would not do that. I mean, I wouldn't pick the new lieutenant to lead a squadron of people in there because he's plucky and he can make people excited i mean it, it just seemed like a little bit like okay that's too much of the hollywood ending that what to me was just didn't feel right because i don't think she needed to be that um to, for for her to still be a successful character because she was still stretching beyond her means and where she came from um so that was just an odd point but i mean other than that i just can't think of many thing many, many other things that really like stood out to me as a, as a negative point but man ben mendelson fantastic such a good take on a conflicted uh, officer. I mean, just a different feel that we got with Kranich. You know, obviously, eventually he kind of became a weird character. But I think Ben just did it great. I mean, just kind of like middle management, a little frustrated. Um <laughs> Bendo, Bendo, yeah, it was, it was, the, it was the dick swinging contest. I believe how it was put on our show back in the day between him and Tarkin. Just yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah it was, it you was saw you his know, ambitions, but not as his uh, follow through, maybe. Right, exactly. Follow through. It was, uh, it was basically, it was, uh, you know, Omni Consumer Products. You know, it was Dick Jones. <laughs> That's what it was. Uh, look what ended up happening. So yeah, Tarkin was Dick Jones, and uh, uh, Kranich was the, the was Miguel Ferrer, the other dude. Yeah. Speaking of, so we we mentioned a couple with with Krennic with Jin. What were your favorite characters in this, Todd? Uh, any others stick out to you? K two. I'm blanking on his name, which is just bad because I know the people you have on here are like they know everybody that can. Yeah, right. name blah blah. blah. I, I'm bad with names. Um, it was the force sensitive gentleman. That was uh, uh oh shit. Jared? Yeah, uh, no, Chir- uh, Chir- uh, was the other was his buddy. No, it's Chirrut. I think that Chirrut was the uh, was the yeah. first sensitive. Yeah, ba- yeah ba- ba- blind, Donnie Yen. Yeah, Baze Malbus was the, his buddy with Baze. the big gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Was Chirrut was Chir- just great. Chirrut, uh, I and en- we, I believe, was his name. I we, yeah, yeah. yeah you're right. I, yeah, yeah. Really, really dug that character. Thought it was just a unique take. It's yeah. kind of the, the 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 man of faith and just. Yeah kind of just being going headway and just not even bothering with it and obviously mm-hmm. blind. And I, I just really, really, really thought that was a cool take on a character. I, I love, yeah, that character specifically for sure, but also what that character means. And, and, and I hope they dive down into this in more projects, whether it is another series or something, but like the whole protector of the wills thing mm-hmm. of these people who, believe in the force may be force sensitive, but aren't quite Jedi or at this point, you know, is that a way for them to kind of have an underground Jedi Academy without actually saying they're Jedi or something like it's, it's such an interesting thing to, to consider and to look into because of what we're going to see in, in Kenobi of the inquisitors. And like, how do you get around that? How can you be force sensitive in a galaxy that inquisitors are going to come after you. So with 
with his character specifically, it's like, this guy has to have some sort of connection to the force being blind and being able to do all the things that he can do and almost have a sense of what's going on everywhere around him. He's, he's tapped into some kind of force or, or sensitivity that uh, I, I think is, is very interesting. And, and we can talk about the, the wills and the force and all that kind of stuff. And they go into that in clone wars and we won't get into it now. Cause I'll go on for another hour, but I think that's a very interesting character. I very much uh, love those two. Um, K2SO uh, Andor. I'm, I'm, I I've said on the show, I, I thought he was a cool character, but I don't know what they're going to do with his solo show. Right. Is it going to be another heist kind of thing? Is it, uh, what, what are they going to do? So I'm, I'm looking forward to his show as f- something to flesh out that character because I thought he served his purpose in this, but I, I kind of thought it was like, here's his introduction. He shoots a guy in the alley and then mm-hmm. kind of redeems himself at the end of being not that selfish guy. That's going to shoot someone in an alley right. in the back. Uh, so theory, Mark, if you want to hear it. Yeah. Yeah. So I think yeah. what Cassian Andor could bring in is an element of star Wars. We don't really have which is essentially an underground network of spies and how they came about and where their allegiance lies. And is it truly with, you know, the Republic or whatever? And it continues on kind of like the Kingsman. If you've seen that kind of like an independent body, kind of like, Like and and I, and, and I think what you could do is he could be investigating something that's not even tied to the empire. He could uncover something, which then, like I said, I I keep wanting star Wars, but it's going to play in the past. I want things to be, connected to the future and not right. the future we already know. I want the right. future that's far future. I mean, it's like, hey, along the way, he, he lay some groundwork is what you're talking about. Yeah, he stumbled upon something that is a much bigger deal that is beyond the Sith, beyond something else that we could then have elements laid there. And then when they reappear again in future projects, we're familiar with that agency or that organization. And that is laying groundwork for what this group is capable of doing. Because I think he's more of a spy and that has been a very uh, an untapped part of Star Wars. You know right. what you're, you're describing in in Star Trek because I always bring that back in. That's Section Thirty One that you're talking mm-hmm. about. Yep, because absolutely, Section, Charlie. Section Thirty One came along in DS Nine, which was set in the 24th century. They then bounced it back to the 22nd century in Enterprise, and we saw the genesis of it. And then it was a huge part in the 23rd century in in star trek uh discovery in the first season of that show and now it's you know and that gave us michelle Yeoh's character who may come upon again and keep keep things rolling so yeah it was the kind of thing like it's always been there they're always absolutely in the shadows they're pulling the strings it's kind of like the winter soldier you know Mm. in hydra it's always like you know what well history needs correcting this thing needs because that's what it was all about necessary evil the necessary, the necessary evil, and uh, the Section Thirty One was launched. The main dude in it in DS Nine was actor William Sadler, which everybody loves. William Sadler, he's awesome, and he was great in that role as Luther Sloan was the name of the character. So, yeah, like a Section Thirty One for Star Wars. Uh, yes, yes, yes. I'm, cool. I, I'm interested. I'm interested. So that might be a good place to uh, to put in some secrets that are in this movie uh that that are confirmed in this movie uh and we talked about we talked about rebels a little bit before so we have 
uh, the, I think General Sindula mentioned. Yep. We see Chopper in a scene. We see the ghost yes, in, in the big two scene. different scenes, I believe. Yeah, very part, part, on part Yavin. flying. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, there's, oh man, there's some other stuff in there as well. But I, I just, because we mentioned, we mentioned Rebels before, uh, those those ones popped into my head, but this is a great movie for for those. And I think the the ghost crew, like I think originally they wanted them to actually be in this potentially because I know that like I mean they went as far as building Chopper, mm-hmm. but uh, but I think they they kind of moved on. Um, but you just mentioned yeah, so we you mentioned yeah we saw them flying, we we saw yep. them parked. Uh, I, I think I think a reason that we may not have seen the Ghost Crew is the, sh- the show was ongoing, right. uh, and they didn't want to necessarily compromise the fact that not everybody made it out of the show. Kanan didn't make it out of the show, yeah. and and then Ezra disappears at the end of the show. Um, so yeah, and that would have been that would have been you know prior to this film, but Hera was mm-hmm. still around, and and then you know she had you know Kanan's love child. So yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, so that would have been that would have been a whole thing, and then uh, Hera is actually a big character in the comics here, and a lot of issues of mm-hmm. Doctor Aphra. So, um, so yeah, more more kind of intertwining things. But um, yeah, yeah you're right. Like Todd yeah. made Todd made a good point, and I would agree that yeah, the, the Easter eggs and the tropes in this film didn't make you go, Ugh, except for you know the really bad CGI Leia, which was last shot, which I didn't care for. Right. Um, but so last, uh, last yeah. shot you didn't care for. Any other favorite scenes that you did care for? Storming I, on the beach. Yeah. That, 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 this, the, that was a unique element that we hadn't seen before. It was a right. cool area to do that type of scene and, and right. the, the subterfuge. That was pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, the uh, the entirety of the space battle, it was at its core Star Wars. But Mark, you and I are both X-Wing guys. We're crazy about the X-Wing. So that was all X-Wings, all the live long day. I love it that there was a Red 5 who was, and it's funny because I have the, the illustrated book. He was like, Cadet so-and-so that he got killed off uh, mm-hmm. and died. But, you know, he had a spare helmet on the rack, obviously, back at Yavin 4. And that's what Luke yeah. ended up with. He got this guy's call sign in his, his spare plane. Yeah, <laughs> Whoops! Uh, yeah. Sloppy seconds. Sloppy seconds. <laughs> I do. That's love what you can call this. That's... You can call this uh, episode that, Mark, because I I was sloppy seconds. So was uh, <laughs> a little on the nose. Never, okay. never. I'm, I'm never. very happy that you're here. Uh, yeah, that that beach scene is is phenomenal. I also love basically when they're recruiting the people and they're going and they they first meet Chirut and he's that scene where he takes down all the stormtroopers and then ducks and the other guy takes him down with, uh, with the machine gun kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And then K2 runs across around the thing or no, he shoots the other droid and K2 then comes around and goes, did you know that wasn't me? <laughs> Just that one bit of sarcasm is so perfect. Like you said, for the, the sassy droid bit, but I think that that set it up so well as like, yeah, this, this droid's a little, uh, there's something a little off about this one. And, but it also kind of shows like that disregard for droids that again, we see in solo the like droid liberation and like you treat us like, uh, interchangeable, like as much as the crew likes K2, like, did they know that wasn't him? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's going back into that, that droid kind of thing. Uh, fellas, we're, we're running short on time. So I do want to ask the overall importance in the star Wars saga and where this ranks for you. 
Man, oh man! I mean, I have to say, it's it's funny because when, when you you have something this this late in life that comes along. Great example. I mean, I I, I married my wife April. We, she and I were both thirty seven years old. I had been married before, got married young, and it was a disaster. And don't even want to talk about the second one. But she was the game changer that came along and, and changed my life. Um, and for for me, after the prequels. <laughs> And it was like, oh, I can't ever feel that I could ever take Star Wars serious again. This thing came along and made you think, this is everything that I loved about Star Wars. So to be honest with you, this comes along. And for me, I know Return of the Jedi is your favorite, Todd. But of of my top three, this kicks Return of the Jedi out of there and takes the place as my number three. Because um, it would go then go Empire and then New Hope and then this. Hands down. Hands down. This, 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 you know, nothing is perfect. Again, there were some tropes and some clunky dialogue, um, but there was everything in this that was different enough, yet similar enough to really make this work for me. I loved it. I love, so yeah, three out of, what the hell do we have? 11 movies? Three out of 11. Three out of 11. Todd, what about you? How was, uh, what's, what's your overall importance for this one? I think it's important, not because of the story or what it, contributed to that. I think it's important to Star Wars because it said, like I said, push Star Wars to be focusing on different things. Not so focused on you have to bring in everything you've seen before, the characters you know. It proved that Star Wars can be successful without all those elements. So once again, I would like more of this. And I think it shows this is the proof case that you don't have to have Jedi's. You don't have to have, you know, the characters you already know or those touch points, which I think is fantastic. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, but like I said, that was kind of irrelevant. Um, so I think that's where it really matters, um, because ultimately this was a side story that didn't really have to happen. It wasn't essential, but it was really well done and i think that makes it really stand out in regards to um one of the best star wars um uh, from a quality standpoint that we've ever seen before and i and i really appreciated that that was good. And that was made me so excited about what star wars would do it's like oh we're gonna have like the trilogy but we're gonna do these side projects that can really tell unique stories and and do their own thing and don't have to be reliant on the the larger part of star wars but you know um I think it was cool, and I, I hope we get more of this as kind of the, the 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 proof of existence of of not being having to rely on the past to be successful in the future. So I think it's good. Um, this would probably be top five um, because I do like some of the fan service. Like anybody said, you know, I mean, this would probably be four ish, maybe three or four in that range, but definitely in the top five. Nice. Like um, yeah, I I have to mirror kind of what you guys said, like. Uh, one one character we didn't really bring up was was Saw Gerrera, but I, I love that character and seeing him in Clone Wars and again in Jedi Fallen Order and mm-hmm. that kind of thread of uh, I'll say radicalization mm-hmm. and how you can uh, you can just go straight down the con- conspiracy theory rabbit hole and how that contrasts to some other characters that we see in this movie or in other things that. Uh, they they keep that hope alive rather than going down that rabbit hole and it's it's a very slippery slope and I think an easy one to get down so I, I love that character and the characterization that For- Forrest Whitaker uh, brought to that character and again when you tie it into the other things that he's done like how can this guy go from like 
the stuff that he did in Clone Wars and freeing the Wookiees and doing all this stuff to like this crazy dude in a cave that's like doesn't trust anyone, doesn't trust his own shadow. You know, it's a, I, I love that kind of thing. But, um, but aside from that, yeah, it, it, it does show that you can have a few little interconnected threads, but also introduce brand new characters that don't have to tie into anything like Todd said that, uh, you can still care for, uh, we're, I, I know I'm pretty bad for this, but I, I prefer TV shows because I say, you know, I've said it before, you can spend all this time with these characters and it helps you care for them. That's why Mandalorian uh, is, is, is now one of my favorite Star Wars character, if not my favorite character in Star Wars, even potentially passing Luke, which I never thought I'd say. Uh, but this movie showed that you can do that with characters in a movie format. You don't need six hour long episodes or two seasons to get to know a character and to care for a character because every single one of these characters, I cared when they died. It was impactful. It meant something. You knew the characters, you had a connection to them and it was tragic every single time right up until the end. And like I said, for, for me to sit there and not care that Darth Vader just showed up on screen because the rest of the movie just mm -hmm. rocked me to my damn core. Mm -hmm. That is something because I love lightsabers as much as anyone. And Darth Vader going through that hallway is one of the most arguably badass things we've ever seen in star Wars. But the first time watching this in a theater, I couldn't have cared less that Darth Vader showed up. Mm -hmm because the rest of the movie just rocked me to my core. Like I had to go sit in my car and just like, he, 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 had, he had to have a cry. Just, just, just emotionally just like, Holy shit. And like I said, texting my cousin, like, Oh my God, right. what a movie. And he's like, Darth Vader. And I was like, no, the rest right. of it, like, <laughs> the movie, the movie, just, just anything other than that. But like, right. you know, like it, I, it is, uh, I've talked about my own little, uh, order to watch the movies. We've talked about that a couple of times on the show. And this is usually the second one that I recommend. I recommend most people start with a new hope to see where star Wars started mm -hmm. and then immediately go to this mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because I, I do that. You, you see the thing happen and then you go back and see mm -hmm. how it happened. And that's right. a perfect example of this, but it's also such a great movie that you see that modern star Wars can, push the envelope while also paying homage to what star Wars was and, and fit into that era without having to stick to the limitations of that era. It's such a great movie. Uh, I don't know exactly where it falls into my list, probably around like Todd said, probably, you know, top five somewhere mm -hmm. in there. Mm -hmm. um, but Holy crap. What an, what a, an amazing film. I, I wish more of the star Wars stories were like this. I liked solo, but I don't think it was in, as impactful as this. Right. But, uh, With, yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, without a doubt. Awesome. Good yeah. stuff, boys. Good stuff. Yeah. Thanks, Todd, for for joining us last minute. I know this was this was a scramble. We we hit some scheduling issues, and uh, and I, you know, you, you had said that it's one of your favorites. So I I messaged Charlie and just said like, let's get Todd, man. This is this he is gonna be fun. He can, pull, he pulled it off. He pulled it off, and he didn't even say it was cool, or he didn't talk about pivots a lot. So I'm I'm impressed. 
<laughs> Thank you for joining us, Todd. This this was awesome. It's uh, it's great to to have everyone all together. This is a rare occurrence for the Secret Friends right. Unite family. So this uh, this was a special episode, not just because the movie's great, but because you were here. So thank you very much. Well, thanks for having me on. And you know, Mark, you're giving Charlie like like you're feeding his like ego right now because he's gonna like. Well, you know, we do another podcast, Mark. <laughs> Well, that's I was just going to say, Charlie, tell everyone where they can uh, find us and, and Who, me? find Todd and everything else. Oh, where, where my gosh. Through? Well, of course, Secret Friends is a wonderful, great big network. But of course, we are over on the Twitter at Secret Friends U. I am on Twitter uh, at the C3. Just spell it out. I'm always talking about Star Wars, Star Trek and Marvel Comics. I also run a great chapter of the International Star Trek Fan Club here in Michigan. USS Grand Petoskey. You can find us on all those socials and that website. I also try to populate the Secret Friends Unite Facebook page uh, when I am not driving somewhere for my job, which is increasingly a lot all the time. I travel. So I try to get in there and put some content. And if you like it, that's great. And if not, just throw garbage at me. It's okay. Todd, where can people find you on the internet? Um, at the Oxtra is where I dwell and I try to socialize and have a good time and actually make connections for folks that can come on all of our shows. So definitely find me there. Um, and then obviously Mark and I do co-op mode every other week, which is fantastic. And then Charlie and I just recorded Secret Friends Unite uh, tonight and we talked about the Batman with Luke Lore. So watch us there and just for everything Secret Friends Unite, our website, secretfriendsunite.com. It's perfect. It's all connected. Absolutely. You can find me at the underscore Canardian on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and probably other places that I'm forgetting right now. I'm starting to lose my voice again because I was sick earlier this week. So, Charlie, wrap us up. That's it, friends. As always, thank you for joining us. I'm going to tell you that sharing is caring and to keep on trucking. May the force be with you. Hello there, Kenobi. Rex, play us out. Do 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 do